And welcome on into the first episode, first show of this new series, uh, hosted by myself, Mitch Spinell, along with uh, Sean Fitzgerald. We're talking to each other remotely uh, from different locations. Sean, where are you calling from? I'm calling from my home in Strongsville, Ohio, of course. Why not? <laughs> Fantastic. And I'm calling actually from Cleveland. Uh, just got done with my morning shift over at the radio station and um, just trying to get this show together because it's been a while since we talked to one another. Yeah, it has been. It's been a while since we've done an actual show together, too. And we wanted to get this. We wanted to get it back together. We've missed this kind of dynamic. I think it's going to be real fun to try and get a semi-consistent schedule going. And be able to put this together, whether it be every week, every two weeks, something like that. We are aiming to actually have some continuity here. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I I mean, I came in thinking to myself, like, I was trying to wonder how many shows did we do under the original the original title? Like the under under Blackstool Radio or under the YouTube stuff? Just under the YouTube stuff, because this is where that's going as well. I think we did one, two, three or four. Three or four of them. All right. Plus the one you never posted. <laughs> right, right. And we'll, I'll, uh, I think I might have lost the footage on that, unfortunately. But I'll have to check in because I got three hard drives to go through. And yeah. uh, I was going to say, I, like, you, I have I too many things on those one terabyte. Is it terabyte? Terabyte yeah. Uh, files. Yeah. Like one terabyte hard drives are a lifesaver. I still have the majority of space on mine. Really? <laughs> yeah. I just tried because the main thing is that when you use a lot of video on that, you know, it's going to get chewed up quicker. My stuff has more audio, more photos as of late. Like after, I want to say, after my sophomore year at Kent, I was not using as much video, mainly because A, basically found out video is not my primary focus, and B, I'm better at doing audio stuff and written stuff, so. <laughs> yeah, obviously video takes up the most space, but I find that photos shockingly when you look at like on a computer and you're yeah. looking at the total storage of your whatever device you got, whether it's an iPad, uh, computer, phone, whatever, you look at the file storage and like the entire bar is almost dedicated, at least for me, to photos compared to the rest of them. Yeah, I mean, photos, especially if you're editing in Lightroom, those things get really big in size really fast. Fun fact, I have never used uh, Lightroom in my life. I started using it after uh, junior year uh, or during junior year, my spring semester with uh, COVID just right around the corner. It's been a great tool, especially for a lot of the photos I've taken at the ballpark. So I'm really happy with that. I'll tell you what, I've. do you remember the Afterlight app on, on the iPhone? I I don't have an iPhone if you don't That's remember. That's true. I've I forgot had, about uh, that. You're poor. My mom, ha my mom does have an iPhone, but I, me, no. I have a MacBook, but I'm not getting an iPhone unless uh, an employer required me to and they were paying for it. That's the only way I'd get an iPhone. Well, look, at, look at you being frugal. <laughs> hey, my Android phones work well, and it's got great audio recording ability. I I'm sure it does. I love it. I mean, I love it. Just It records so well, whether I place a mini love mic into there and for the folks who don't know you know kind of like one of those mics that you would hook up to a person when you're interviewing them on tv like you know lebron or rachel nichols and one-on-one -on -one chat would be hooked up with one of those things more often than not you're gonna have you know a mini one of that plugged into my phone records really well and even just the main sound records just chef's kiss 
All right. So, do you have a topic for this week? Anything you want us to lead off with? Because I, uh, I have a few in mind here, but I kind of want to open the door for you yeah. to get things uh, going. I mean, we're kind of working with a lot to work here. We can go back as far as we want, even a year backwards, to talk about things that have been happening. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> why don't we start with football first? I may be the MLB guy, but I have been just itching to talk a little bit of football. It's been what? how many months since the Super Bowl ended five months now and we're just around the corner from training camp about to start less than 30 days away and the Browns are contenders for the first time in our lives it Uh, seems like they're going to be contending for the first time uh I mean obviously with last year being kind of a a whirlwind of a season I'm wondering what's going to be happening this year I wonder if we're going to have uh, too great of expectations, and we might have some situations like in 2019, not in the sense of the team getting overconfident, but the competition still going to be fierce, and the team, now that every, they're on everybody's radar, people are going to take notice mm-hmm. of the Browns and really try to throw everything at them because I think they still have some issues comp- even uh, compared to uh, the teams of the past. Yeah, I mean, there certainly are things that you could shore up. I mean, linebacker, I still feel like they can upgrade a little bit there. I mean, they got Jeremiah Oosu-Koromoa in the second round, which that was a steal of a pick, especially when teams uh, just put a red flag on him for a hard issue that he was cleared of. You got Greg Newsome for, you know, the secondary. But that, you know, it's just that linebacking core that I feel is the weakness of the team. I feel like the defensive tackle position, besides, you know, cutting Sheldon Richardson, will still be somewhat of a strength to adequate. I think that people are overselling Richardson's contributions he was good he was solid but i think that they're going to be able to rotate guys in and out keep people fresh and they'll still be a solid position i'm always wary about linebackers i think that's something we'll have to look at going forward that's the one that worries me even by adding a guy like koromoa and whatnot but this team i think people thinking 14 and 3 15 and 2 let's temper that just a smidge I think 13 and 4 is a realistic high goal. I think 12 and 5 could win you could win you the division. That is the new basically 12 and 4, I'd say. True or true or false? It's weird to still be talking about potential records this year because of the league's added 17th game. True. It's still weird to be talking about records because we don't know what a 17 regular season game like we don't have enough data. We've always gone off of like 16 regular season games or 14, 15, like 17 is a whole different thing. And we literally are having to just guess like what is kind of the record here. You can reject as much as you want, but until we get like three, four, five seasons full of uh, 17 games late data, we're not going to be able to tell like what is actually a good season because now you can't even hit 500 unless you get a tie. It's either you're 9 and 8, you're 8 and 9, or you're way above or you're below that. You're either going to have a winning or a losing season. There's no in between. 1978 was when they went made the jump from 14 to 16 games. So you and I have only known 16 game schedules in the NFL, and that's obviously something we're going to have to get used to. Much like with last year, we got to see the um, expanded postseason for the first time. Oh yeah, with uh, with football that that wasn't too dif- different, I'd say. The only main difference is that there was only one buy and you had two extra games. If it had been no buys, then, you know, yeah, that's way different, but you basically had just two extra games 
and everything else played out as per normal. It didn't feel that much different to me. Honestly, it just felt pretty standard for expanded postseason. That's just me. How do you think the Browns uh, offseason has been great, could be graded compared to, I want to reduce it to teams of the AFC North, specifically Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Cincinnati? I think it's definitely better than Pittsburgh. That's one thing. You've had Pittsburgh lose, I think, 17 combined Pro Bowls along their offensive line. So that's not going to help. They sure have been able to sign, you know, try Turner on a low money, low risk deal, but he wasn't necessarily healthy last year, although he was a former uh, pro bowler. Uh, Najee Harris, I think if he's able to get enough space behind that O-line, he'll be really good. I'm not saying he'll be Saquon or Chubb or anything like that, but I think he'll be really good. And Roethlisberger, uh, you cannot sell me that Roethlisberger is going to be good enough. I mean, I'm trying to think of the quarterback that I had on the top of my head like a few minutes ago. But it's not Baker, but someone else within the last like 10 years that was, and it's not Manning either. Neither of the Mannings, just good quarterback uh, who had a great running game, but was older. Lamar well, that was Jackson, something I wanted to bring up yeah. too, because uh, Baker, obviously going into year four, mm-hmm. has a very good resurgence of a season compared to 2019. And there have been talks up here in the city about whether or not the franchise guy is going to get the franchise money. I mean, we've been, I've been hearing reports about, you know, the two sides aren't quite there to a deal, maybe even not even close. And Baker wouldn't be willing to take so much of a discount. I don't think he'd be willing to go to the Browns and say, I want X amount of dollars. That's absolutely out of the Browns price range because why quarterback got this much. And now I want this much, but I'm wondering, is it better for the Browns to try and get Baker signed now, or do they try to just wait until next year? Because my, my understanding is, and my belief is that they want to use year four of Baker's career as the solidifier, the determining factor as to whether or not this is the guy that you want to stake the next decade with. A year or two ago, I've told you sign him now, but I'm willing to wait. Even if it, means the price tag goes up because of what we've seen with Jared Goff and then what we saw Carson Wentz turn into behind that shamble of an O-line in Philly. I'm hoping that he gets back on track in Indy uh, just, you know, from a competitor standpoint. Uh, I think he was just, you know, he was just a ghost of himself. But Baker, I think, is the real deal. He'll end up with a long-term deal. You're not going to go through as many quarterbacks as Brown did before finally landing on one. And he has not missed a start since he started week four of the 2018 season. Has not missed a single start. He came in for Tyrod during that game before halftime and led the Browns on a drive. He has not missed any time since. When you say that, it actually makes me think that we got so used to Browns quarterbacks only lasting probably 12, 13 games tops, if that. That's why we're hearing about Baker lasting that long in terms of uh, of availability is it's pleasing, it's satisfying, and it makes me like 
it makes me as hope have hope for the first. I mean, obviously, last year was the time where it's like we have hope again. You finish with a winning record, you get into the playoffs, you shock the world by dropping a bomb in the first quarter on Pittsburgh in Heinz Field, and that leads me to my other question for you regarding Baker's extensions, because obviously he's not the only player that we have to think long-term, potentially. You got running backs like Nick Chubb. You got defenders like Denzel Ward. Mm -hmm. And to me, part of me has wondered if Nick Chubb would be, even in this era of running backs who are probably lasting uh, shorter in their careers than than a lot of running backs in the past, where do what do the Browns do compared to... Comparing Chubb to Baker, you you want to give Baker the first co- contract extension, but would you be surprised if the Browns decided we want to give Nick not as big a deal probably as Baker, but we want to give him a deal that ha- keeps him here for the future? Well, one, Nick Chubb is going to be paid far less than a quarterback is. He's yes. not getting anywhere close to $100 million. That would right. shock me. Two, you are going to pay Nick Chubb. He is special. I know that you know people think long-term he's had a knee issue before. I'm not so concerned about that right now. He's going to get paid. You've seen other guys who've had knee issues come back, do well. And, you know, Todd Gurley is a cautionary tale, but there are others who I feel like, you know, have had that kind of thing crop up and they've been perfectly okay. So Chubb, you're going to pay him. Baker, you know, you have the option if you need to, and I hope it doesn't come to this, to franchise tag him after his fifth-year option plays out uh, after the 2022 season. But I know that you're talking about the other two quarterbacks who would probably get extensions from that 2018 draft class, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Look, Lamar Jackson is what RG3 kind of should have been if RG3 had stayed healthy and not fallen off a cliff. Josh Allen, I feel like, is the more prototypical guy. He's got a little bit of that running mobility. I think the Ravens are going to overpay dramatically for Lamar's skills, and I feel like he's going to drop off a cliff at the end of whatever kind of deal he gets josh allen and baker mayfield i feel like he's they're going to be you know ready for a third contract whenever that time comes after their extensions i don't think lamar's got any more than let's say 10 total high level years in this league because that his skill set is so you know reliant upon his ability to elude defenders in his speed and you lose that very quickly as you keep taking hits and you keep playing over the years it's going to take a lot of prep work to even maintain that level of consistency. And even that elusiveness, that is a key that has left him basically almost untouchable. If he loses that, then his speed is null and void. Well, so, here's the thing. I do kind of agree with you um, in the sense of like Lamar could lose a few years off of his career. And I think he's done a decent job of being able to develop the rest of his skill set, especially with throwing the ball to warrant a long-term deal in Baltimore and warrant the thought of him being the long-term solution. I don't know if he's going to immediately fall off a cliff at one point of of a potential long-term deal, but I can understand why people were to say if Baker, Josh Allen, and Lamar were all to get long-term deals, Baker and Josh could be the guys who last a little longer just because they're more pocket presences, although they can kind of run a little bit, just not as well as Lamar, who's a generational Mm -hmm. uh, runner and rusher. Were you surprised? Because this is something that I I thought to myself, especially early in the offseason, compared to the Browns, who are being a little more uh, careful with how they're talking about Baker's extension discussions, 
Jim Harbaugh and company over in Baltimore have basically said, yeah, he's gonna we're gonna extend him. We're working on it right now, but he's gonna get extension. We're just gonna do that. Is it surprise? It was. It felt to me it was surprising that it, they, it felt so cavalier. That's my ten dollar word of the day, cavalier. About how they were just talking about, oh, he's gonna get a deal. It's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time. Was that uh, surprising to you, or do you think that Baltimore saw enough in him? They obviously see enough in him to get a deal done, but was it surprising that they're just going to throw that out there so publicly? I mean, he won an MVP, so I wouldn't be surprised, and he's given them not really any reason to uh, say no to an extension. I just don't think there's they're saying it's going to get done this year. That would be a little more surprising. Because here's the thing with Lamar Jackson. I am still not sold on his throwing. His passes still don't look crisp enough. He has improved a little bit from year two to year three. And I'm if he improves to year four where he's actually able to throw the ball deeper, throw it 15 yards on a dime, 20 yards, 25, 30. If he can throw balls like that consistently, then he is a threat for a longer time and would be on that same track with Allen and Baker Mayfield to stay in the league a much longer time. You know, everyone made a whole big deal of the Sammy Watkins video. I am one of those people who I'm on that train where Lamar still doesn't look good as a passer, passing it deep enough. I want him to be able to throw it much farther, much crisper, much cleaner in order for me to say he is a great thrower. He's able to get really good short intermediate passes, but anything that's too deep, 15, 20, 25 yards and deeper, he's not throwing spirals on that. They look wobbly. I want to see more from him on that before I say, yeah, he deserves all the money in the world. He's going to get paid one way or another. But I would rather see him be able to show me, hey, can you throw the ball a bit better than what you've been doing? Because his value right now to that team is rushing. And if he can figure out how to throw the dang football, just actually tight spiral, you're going to be okay in Baltimore. Well, I think he's figured it out somewhat. It's not like year one where he just got thrust into the halfway point of the season, got Baltimore into the playoffs, and then was running with a chicken with his head cut off against the Titans in that wild card game. I think it was wild card game. It's still too much for me to be confident. I kind of see what you're saying. There have been throws like uh, uh, last year with the Browns in Cleveland, that one on the fourth down where he came in uh, and threw a dime to Hollywood Brown for, I think was the... Not the winning the to go ahead score, but the one to go ahead initially. Yeah. Um, Do you remember? And I, the I'm, I'm wondering the same thing. Can he a, develop as a thrower the, even more in year four? Because if he does, he's going to challenge Patrick Mahomes for potentially a second MVP award. Yeah, sorry, I accidentally cut you off there, but I was going to say that. Uh, do you remember the uh, story from about a couple of weeks ago where they stopped letting them film Lamar Jackson in the media? Yeah. And <laughs> that like, was weird. That tells me, like, after they released that whole video with uh, Watkins and uh, uh, Lamar with that whole past thing from the Ravens account, like, you do not want to put that video out there. And I don't buy Jim Harbaugh's you know, little explanation for a second. I think, A, it's ego-protecting, or, and or B, it'll be used against Lamar if he if they see people just, you know, see him wobble, wobble passes all day. I do... <laughs> Physically, physically, that for Lamar is kind of what I think happened with the Browns and Baker mentally after 2019, 
where it seemed like Baker and the team, they made a few press clippings. They read a few of them before that year and thought, oh, we're a contending team now. And then things didn't happen the way they wanted to. There were some uh, some quotes that became notable, some moments there that we are not particularly proud of as a fan base. But I think he got his head straight on in year three, and it showed because he he improved even without one of his two best receivers in there. And I can see the Ravens kind of being like, all right, let's 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 dial it back a bit. I know we're talking about getting an extension done, but at the same time, like you said, they don't want to u- people to use that uh, for like if Lamar's in his third pl- divisional round game come this year against uh, Buffalo and he ends up throwing two wobbly interceptions in the first half. Yeah, but that's my shtick on Lamar. Like, I just. I cannot trust his arm. That's that's all I gotta say on him. That's fair. I, I'm I'm a little more uh, uh, trusting in his arm, not to the point where I think that he can just dominate the Browns times a year. And I think that's the thing too is that we're coming it from it as Browns fans, so we kind of want him to not succeed to that point. We want him to succeed, just not two times a year when we need <laughs> it to be uh, 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 acceptable for us. Yeah, that that that's the thing is that especially with the Ravens and Browns history. You don't want to see Lamar succeed. I honestly remember us when we were back at BSR all the way back in that 2018 live mock, potentially mocking him to the Steelers. And I felt like that would have been a good fit, but (laughs) yeah, wrong choice of words, but uh, placing him with the Steelers and that ended up happening, but he still ended up in the AFC North, which is like, uh, has there been, although even though big Ben's fallen off a cliff, to a degree, has there ever been a time where one division has had so many great quarterbacks in it? I'm trying like, to think of a of a past where uh, I, I feel like it when the NFL was with uh, with three divisions at a few years back, there had to have been many teams with really good players uh, in the same division at one point. You see what the AFC East, Central, and West. I got to look that up. Yeah, because the thing is, you've got three Heisman winners in the in the whole uh, in the whole AFC North. You have three Heisman winners, which is crazy to think about. One and two, <laughs> like those guys are all just you know the only one who doesn't have a Heisman is Big Ben. Three of them Heisman winners, four of them uh, uh, first round picks, two of them, of course, number one overall. And then the other two, I was about to say, when you mentioned um, the mock to Lamar in Pittsburgh, I remember specifically Pittsburgh trading up late, later in the first round to like pick number 22. I swore that was going to be for Lamar to become Big Ben's successor. And when they didn't do that, I can't remember who they picked, but when they didn't do that, I was like, wow. And then Baltimore came in and swooped uh, Lamar up. Wasn't that the draft that they actually traded up to get uh, Devin Bush? That's exactly who it was, Devin Bush. Thank you for reminding got, me. I think they went up to number ten. Yeah. Oh, oh well, Devin Bush was ten, but didn't they? They went back. They went back and got a, a guy at like twenty uh, two. Let me go look up twenty eighteen NFL draft. I don't remember. Uh, I thought that was Denver who selected somebody right there. Maybe I'm. Maybe uh, I'm all I remember from that is that Denver was that the one where they got. Yeah, they got Bradley Chubb in that draft at five. And then who who was oh yeah Pittsburgh at twenty eight Terrell Ed, Terrell Edmonds safety oh yeah that that that's who they drafted oh man it's it's been a while for that draft but that draft has really turned out to be really really good 
number 31 to the New England Patriots. Do you remember who that was? Sony Michelle. Yeah, I I'm going to be honest with you and you can and, and I'll be I'll just put it out there. I really thought Sony Michelle was the the running back of that two-headed back monster of Georgia between him and Nick Chubb. I really did. I thought he was really going to be really special too, but New England, uh, I don't know, but I'm happy that we ended up with Nick Chubb in the end. I mean, It feels like he just got lost in the shuffle where yeah. those last few years of New England's offense, even during the Super Bowl years, it was all about Tom, and then last year it was the New England offense was just such a mess that it was just hard to keep him in check. I think Cam Newton will have somewhat of a bounce back. I don't think he's quite done yet. You're not sold on Mac Jones yet? I'm not saying that I'm not sold on Mac Jones. I interviewed him uh, at the draft. Really? Or not? Inter- yeah, I was in the press room and I got in a question to him. There's a video on my Twitter somewhere. There you go. You can probably find. Go follow me on Twitter at FitzOnSportsVSR. Plug. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's a video and you know, it, I think he's going to be an okay quarterback. I don't want to you know pass judgment on him saying oh he's a failure oh this and that. I'm I'm more high on Zach Wilson than I am Trevor Lawrence right now. But this, but before we go to that, just like Mac Jones, I think he'll be good, at least you know to a degree. I think with New England system, I think he can succeed there. I think it's just going to take a little bit more time uh, to acclimate to the NFL for him, and I think Cam Newton still has something to prove. And look, people have said Cam Newton's washed up for years. Maybe he is. Maybe I'm placing too much faith in the guy. But I think he has always gotten a bad rap. Yes, last year he wasn't that great. But he also had to deal with the after effects of COVID. And what we saw with Miles Garrett, if there was, I don't know what kind of effects Newton may have been dealing with, but if he's got a full offseason under his belt now and hopefully he doesn't have any more like long haul symptoms, he could still turn out to be a decently good pickup. He was not the same after being sidelined by COVID in the early part of the season. Yeah, it makes. I'm wondering what's going to happen with him this year. Whether or not Jones will have to come in at the yeah. midway point. I hope it doesn't, and I don't. I don't think yeah. it will. If New I England's out of contention that, yeah. by the end of the year or by December, maybe I could see Belichick maybe wanting to test out Jones, and then maybe something happens there. But yeah. I, I think I, I do agree with you for the majority of the year. I think Cam Newton will be the starter. Depends on the results that happen in Foxborough. Right. Yeah. Plus, you know, besides Mac Jones, I have who was it? Uh, uh, Patrick Sertain, a video on my Twitter, uh, and then who's the other player? There's one other player, and then also I've got uh, Jamar Chase audio on my SoundCloud, uh, a little bit longer form interview. Well, you're just plugging or, everything today, aren't you? Yeah. You're also, I could plug more stuff, but I'll wait till the end. <laughs> I was just thinking with the draft class, but I did want to go back to my point with uh, Zach Wilson and Trevor sure. Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, great, great prospect. Zach Wilson, I know people are going to say, why with the meteoric rise do people think he's going to be good? I see a guy with an arm. I see he's got decent build. I think he's got what it takes. Like He just reminds me somewhat of a a Baker-Josh Allen type of hybrid where he's not, you know, Allen's size, but he's got a little bit of mobility and he's got a really strong arm. And just, I don't know, he's just got some sort of like silent kind of swagger to him. That somewhat reminds me of Baker, although we know Baker's a little bit more, you know. But Baker last year, a little bit more silent swagger. just feels like he's got something there. And you've got Robert Sala, who's the head coach now. Bye-bye, Adam Gase. Bye, Felicia. 
And I think he might be set up for maybe success if he can get an O-line built around him. That's the biggest thing because I think, especially for a rookie in the Jets system, you need protection. That's what Sam Darnold didn't get uh, early on. Yeah, and if he if Zach Wilson is even protected at least twice as much as Sam Darnold was, I think Zach Wilson will have a decent rookie year. He, I think Charles Lawrence and Zach Wilson will be the two best quarterbacks from this draft after Justin Fields. Where do you think the AFC East um, ranks among the toughest divisions in the NFL? Because you have Miami, who just missed out in the postseason last year, just kind of fell apart at the end. Buffalo, who makes the AFC championship game, looks like they have a bright future ahead of them. And then you have uh, the Jets, who... You know, they're coming off a few rough years, but they do have some young pieces that I think if they're developed could bring some of the best football you've seen in New York since the days of, you know, Ken O'Brien or Chad Bennington, obviously Joe Namath way back in the past. And then there's New England, who is a bit of a wild card to me. I think if you were to ask me today what the toughest divisions are in order, it would be a coin flip between the AFC North and the NFC West as one and two. Number three would likely be, and this is under the assumption that Aaron Rodgers returns to Green Bay, the NFC North. He will. Number four would probably be the AFC East because the Vikings usually do very good after missing the playoffs. I think it's just a motivating factor. They just seem to get lazy that, or they just get, you know, a weaker schedule and then they're able to play up to more of their potential. Also, they were, injured to hell last year so i think with the bears if justin fields ends up starting at some point uh because i know if they really keep their promise to andy dalton one i'll be shocked yeah and two uh if it is you know kept it'll not be for very long so i think you know you've got three playoff contenders in that division and if detroit somehow manages to turn around jared goff they have a maybe middling season where they're middle of the road team and that would bring me to be able to place uh, the AFC East as fourth. So I think they're right in the middle of being, you know, tough to whatnot. Because we don't know what New England's going to look like for the second year in a row without Tom Brady. We, you and me growing up, we had always seen Tom Brady in a Patriots uniform. Yep. And we saw how much they struggled last year. And it wasn't just because of Brady. They lost Patrick trying to opt out and he just retired this offseason, but they're getting back Dante Hightower who had opted out as well, along with a bunch of other key components on their defense. So we'll see what happens in new England. All I can say is that it was a bonanza on free agency for them. That shocked me to my very core. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned two teams and before we switch gears, I want to mention the, the two teams that we brought, were two of the teams that were brought up one Detroit, I feel with Matt Campbell in his first year, that team is either going to go three and fourteen or fourteen and three. I don't see any in between with them somehow, just based on the personality that's going to be in that locker room and the way that he's going to try and seemingly turn the organization into the roughest, toughest, meanest sons of bitches on earth. And then number two, you mentioned the Vikings. I think if this is not a postseason year again, we're going to see the end of uh, the Mike Zimmer. Kirk Cousins era potentially. We might see both of them shipped out by the end. Yeah, because they who they draft, Kellen Mond. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was an interesting pick. Uh, but I liked it. I liked it. I think it makes sense. And I think if uh Kirk Cousins is off 
the portion of the deal after he signed what a two-year extension to the, his third year of his deal or whatever. I don't think this newly worked deal from the other years fully guaranteed like the last one, but it's pretty damn close. So I, I have to agree with you on that. All right. I, well, we've I been talking about I, uh, football for about half an hour now, and we can switch over to something like uh, Major League Baseball, which you mentioned before. I don't want to get into the Indians yet because yep. it's too painful at this point, but I do want to get into somebody that I think may be and this is not an unpopular opinion because now he's made such a name for himself, but this might be my favorite player in Major League Baseball right now, and that is a certain two-way player for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim <laughs> in import Shohei Otani, a.k.a. this generation's George Herman Ruth. Sean, I've seen you comment on uh, some things here here and there on Twitter and you know some of the things that I reply to. I am enamored with the fact that this guy is bowling out the way he is right now. He is coming as good as advertised as when he came over. It's literally the fulfillment of what we wanted, the Babe Ruth of the East. This guy, power, able to pitch. Sure, he's had one or two rough outings. I'll give you that. But he has been dominant otherwise on that mound. He literally dominates. Just, it's incredible. I think long-term, he's going to be just an outfielder. Give it five years. Not because he can't pitch anymore, but I think that by that time, hopefully the Angels system is actually able to develop pitchers and not rely on him so much. (laughs) But I think that Otani is just, he's so exciting. And the fact that he's going to be in the Derby, I love that. And you've already got, if we haven't seen any sixth, seventh, or eighth guy commit yet, but you have Trevor Story, Shohei Otani, Salvador Perez, Trey Mancini, and I just lost the fifth in my head. Dang it. It was another American League player, I think. Well, I'm looking at the list right now. Um, let me just yeah. get this right here. We got Otani, be... uh, Pete Alonso, Pete Alonso, Trevor that's Story, who it was. Yeah, that was the Trey fifth. Mancini, and those are the only four confirmed. No, there's five. The Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez, Perez announced yes yesterday. Yeah, he's got. Okay, because I'm looking on this site right now, and Perez, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't see him on, on here. I'm looking at Sporting News, yeah. and they haven't updated yeah. it. I guess. Yeah, it's Salvi announced on Twitter yesterday. Okay, so that's five, and then we have three more potential yeah, that's, spots. That's already um, almost as good, or the not three in your mind. than that 2019 Derby and the 2019 Derby. I was there. Uh, I was not at the game. I was at the Derby. That Derby probably saved you know, the contest going forward. Really? You think so? Yes, because it was fantastic, dude. Like, and I'm not just talking from my view, just from watching the Derby, it was, if you had had Christian Yelich instead of Matt Chapman, I know Yelich got hurt, that Derby would have been even more nuts, dude. You're talking like 2008 levels. Possibly, yes. That Derby would... Even let, let's go with the field that they had back two years ago. Chapman, Bregman, Carlos Santana, Ronald Acuna, uh, Pete Alonso, yep. Vlad Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last two pieces were Josh Bell. Yep. And I'm forgetting the eighth, but I know who it is if I just cycle through my head really quick. But that field, and oh, Jock Peterson. Yes. And he's no stick. Jock like, Peterson he, was in that derby? 
Yeah, and he was the one who had that. I would have ended the Derby at the first semifinal if it were allowed to. I would have signed a petition to end it because that that round between him and Vlad Jr. That's right. Was bonanza. It was just, I was freaking out of my mind. I was just like, I was just in Nirvana right there. That seems like a it high was, energy event to go to yeah. if you're actually at the event. Because I, I've and always watched it, it on television, and it's it's yeah. fun. It's like a cool thing to watch on TV. You, it must feel like you're just watching bomb after bomb after bomb yes, go off, and it gets it exciting. Does. It does, and it is glorious, and it, just the energy in the stadium. Like, and I wrote an article on it on BSR, uh, and I, I still remember talking about like certain aspects of it. I have some notes on some of it elsewhere. But it's just, it was such a great night. Like the atmosphere at the stadium was just bonkers, dude. It was absolutely just insane. That sounds nice. Like that, is that, Vlad that Jr. Derby um, confirmed yeah. for the Derby or not? No, he said he's not taking part in it. Okay, so that's not, he's out. Tatis, has he said anything? Huh? Fernando Tatis, is he in it at all? I think he's not taking part due to a uh, recent shoulder injury. Because I'm looking at the home run list right now, the leading yeah. home run leaders right now. Schwarber's out. He said he's not doing it. Yeah. Ronaldo Cunha, Marcus Simeon, Salvador Perez, Matt Olson, Joey Gallo, Rafi Devers. Yeah. Ronaldo Cunha hasn't committed. I'd love to see him back in the Derby. I think he'd be a really good ad to put back in. I think I ret- when I retweeted a... Uh, Salvador Perez's announcement. Let me go find who else I said because I don't think Jose Ramirez is going to do it again. But well, I love to see uh, well, him do it. Yeah, that's the thing we got to get to with the Indians too because he yeah. he was uh, out of the lineup yeah, yesterday. But, but here's because of here's uh, a few elbow other soreness. Players that I said, a few days after taking a foul ball to the face, a few weeks yeah. after taking uh, a pitch to the knee. Yeah, but here's the, I would he love is to see just a, a microcosm of the Indians. Injury woes, which I don't think have been worse in the eight years that Terry Francona has been managing this ball club. Yeah. Before we keep going further on that topic, though, one of these three of the remaining guys, one of three of at least Acuna, Juan Soto, Jordan Alvarez, Jose, Christian Yelich, Nick Castellanos, or Jesse Winker, give me at least three of those guys, especially one of those Cincinnati guys, Winker or Castellanos, and I would be happy. Like that would be just as good, if not better, than that 08. I think Castellanos you can put in there. I think yeah. you can put um uh I'd love to see Alvarez do it, and I'd love to see Soto do it because Soto is in there as well. Well, how many home runs does Soto have? Because it doesn't seem like he he's doesn't been have hitting as many because a lot of he started off the year, year a little bit later. He was on the IL, I think, for a short time. Right, right, right. But, but he would still be but a even great then. add to the Derby. I mean the five guys you already have right now are fantastic. And if you add any of those three, and I know I left a bunch of the great hitters off of my list right there, but those are among the guys that, like, you know, I would absolutely be happy with that I could think of off the top of my head. I'd probably go with Olsen, uh, Gallo, oh, Olsen. Yes, and that, Castellanos just for namesake. With. Yeah, give give me the other Matt from Oakland. Give me the other one. The he other just one, okay. Been, he should have been the all-star starter at uh, not all-star star at first base. He should be, he should, man, he was not even in the finalist list for the, you know, the final three. That upset me that he wasn't getting recognition and he has been an absolute monster. You're talking about Chapman? Uh, uh, no, Olsen. Olsen, yeah. Yeah. Olsen, yeah. Cause Correa could even do it and I wouldn't be too mad about that. Mitch, 
Austin Meadows would be a great add to that field. He's got, I think, 15-plus dingers right now, 16 with 54 RBIs. He's someone who I'd love to see. Maybe Mitch Hanniger, another good comeback story after all the injuries he's gone through. Um, I feel like they might push for Judge or uh, Stanton to get in just to get a Yankee in, to get a big name in, a big na- name slugger Judge in there. Said, I think Judge has said he's done. Right. I think the same thing. No, is- actually, yeah. Because I'm just trying to look up uh, some of the hitters who I would love to see and just – I'm looking real quick. Max Muncy, maybe? Still, he was, didn't get, did he get an all-star nod? Yeah. I No, wait. No, he did not get the yeah, star. Yeah, he, he, he got snubbed, yeah. Yeah, but I I still think Freddie Freeman deserved it for the MVP last year and everything he had to go through. I would I still would have voted for Freeman over Muncy just because of the emotional stuff. Yeah. Like, I know it's not a good reason, but for me, I love Freddie Freeman. I feel like he's always been, even though – People have given him his due in recent years. I always feel like he's been underappreciated, but I wanted to I wanted to see him get the start over Muncie just by a bit. But I do believe Muncie was worthy to get the start. Uh Bo Bichette is someone who I would love to see in the Derby too. Uh the son of what? Uh Dante Bichette, right? Bo Bichette. Dante's his dad. Yeah. Bo Bichette, I said his his dad is Dante. I meant to say that. If I'm screwed up a little bit there, that's on me. Well yeah. What is it the Blue Jays? They got um the Bichettes, they got the Guerreros and the Bigios, the Bigios right? Yeah. I forget if uh, T. Oscar Hernandez has a dad uh who played in the big leagues. He's he's not I'm trying to remember. Teoscar, I think he's a junior. Teoscar Hernandez Jr. Yeah, is that, is that right? how you say it? Because I, I think I said Teoscar the other night. Yeah, Teoscar. Teoscar. Because when I try to say like I'm the looking more on Spanish, his Wikipedia Latino, page here and it doesn't say. Yeah. When I try to say like Spanish but, or Latino uh, players' names, I try to go with more of the, uh, the accent stuff. I try to uh, go to a little bit of a different type of voice that I can try and just tweak it just a little bit to get the accents and like how it should sound wait like a minute you, i i had my know, mic off i missed that what what you did an accent uh no like uh when i try to like you know with the accents with spanish and latino players names sure or, like you know latin america like i tried to give like uh you know fernando tatis jr and stuff like that and vlad Guerrero jr like i try to get like the little like the rolling r's or like the castellanos like that kind of stuff i try to get that little bit of nuance in there I guess, but uh, you, you could just you could just pronounce their names like normal. Yeah, but Nick Castellanos, no. Castellanos. Like, yeah, Castellanos, and there's just a little bit, you know, sometimes like uh, Ronald Acuna, because you know, for the longest time when I was a kid, and because they didn't, you know, put like the NEAs or like the accent marks over jerseys before many, you know, just a few short years ago, within the last year or two, like until I actually learned Spanish, I'm like, okay, now it makes sense how these guys' names should be pronounced. And stuff like that for some of these players, and it's like you know, I try to pay a little bit of respect to that. But I did not know yes. that they they didn't have accents and stuff on yeah, their jerseys until, like, until a few at years least ago. I think maybe last year or twenty nineteen. Yeah, I could see I could see it uh, becoming a like recently becoming a big thing to make sure they have those on there. Yeah, and it's it's kind of nice. Joey Gallo is a good one who you could throw in there, and then uh, if Nolan Arenado wanted to take part just to torture the Rockies ownership. Because mm. the fans would love him. J.D. Martinez I'd love to see, but I don't think he'll do it. Uh, he's, you know, been great again this year. Uh, and then there's one more player among one of the others that we haven't mentioned who would be a really good guy. Like Eduardo Escobar is not someone who's excite me. Maybe uh, Adolis Garcia could be another one. 
Okay. I would love to see Randy Rosarena. And then the last guy on that list, uh, Reese Hoskins would be an interesting, I think he could be an underdog kind of guy who could. Reese Hoskins feels like a guy that kind of got lost or uh, forgotten from a few years ago after he got that hot start in Philadelphia and Philadelphia has just become this black hole of fourth place finishes. Yeah. I mean, it's just been tough ever since they won that world series. And then Ryan Howard basically tearing what his Achilles just being the end of great Phillies baseball for a long time. Howard got hurt. Chase Utley eventually got old. You know, Cole Hamels got old. Cole Hamels ended up reviving himself though with uh, the Cubs. A little bit, yeah, but it was for the short term. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I really, that's a long time ago. But yeah, those are some guys I would love to see in the Derby. But there's only three spots left. But those are some guys who could really do some good damage. We'll we'll figure those out soon. And we'll also figure out the uh, AL reserves and NL reserves because the starters were announced the other night. I do want to shift the the topic, though, because our our team in Cleveland is the Indians. The team that might be going through more injury woes than any team I have seen in the last three, four years. The only one and that, that things have not been great the, the last four nights. They've lost four in a row. They've lost two to straight to the Houston Astros. Uh, I know you were at the game uh, Friday night or Thursday, Thursday night Thursday. when yeah. they first came into town, and we'll talk about the reaction to them in a little bit. But uh, I told myself that the Indians, when they got all these injuries piled up that I'm just going to take in the fact that they can keep keep staying competitive somewhat. They were still winning a number of games at the time, and it still felt like guys were stepping up. I feel like that time is about to come to an end, and we are about to see the bottom fall out from their feet. Yeah, unless Zach Plesak can come back by the end of next weekend here. This is is going to be rough. I do expect him to be back by, if not this coming week, then the week after. Maybe the same with uh, Roberto Perez. Roberto Perez, I think, is supposed to be back today. Oh, is, oh yeah, that's right. I think I had my notes from Mill uh, return yeah. Saturday. Yeah, but I guess he's was going to be like, on, uh, you know, they're Roberto. still going to work him back in slowly is what they're going to do with him. He's not going to play every single day. That makes sense. Yeah, but having from Mill back is great. Having Roberto back will add maybe a little bit more thumb to the lineup. Uh, but Hedges has done decently well compared to my expectations for him uh, so far this year. I mean, he's been able to hit four home runs in the last little bit, so that that helps. But pitching is what we need, and there's no pitching factory right now. Right now, it feels like they're getting closer to turning out more hitters. And honestly, if Eddie Rosario goes on the injured list, I want to see them try and bring up Nolan Jones, even if it's just for a cup of coffee. Let's see what he's got in left field. I want to see it. I think, you know, Jose's still blocking him at third base. I'd like to see them see if they can try and sign him to a long-term deal. Don't know if Jose will accept, but I want to see Nolan Jones up sooner rather than later. You don't think it could be like a Bobby Bradley 2019 situation where he gets a lot of hype coming up and seems like a decent guy at start. You said the same thing about Owen Miller too. Like maybe not the same type of power, you know, Miller's just a great contact hitter, but I want to see what Nolan Jones can do. And sometimes like with Bradley, he took that, Failure went back down and when he can't come back up. Sure, he's not necessarily going to be a high average guy. He could turn into a better average guy down the road, but he has produced power and he has walked just a little bit. It's not where he's hitting 190. He's hitting around 230, 240, and that's all right with me with him. He's providing decent defense at first base. 
Nolan Jones, I want to see what he can do. And maybe just having a little taste, then he gets sent back down. And let's say, you know, Eddie Rosario requires just a minimum stay on the IL. A couple days for Nolan Jones up in the big leagues. And I know how the teams loathe to start the big league service clock on any type of player that's a top prospect. I still think it's worth seeing just a little bit of Nolan Jones and maybe giving your fans some hope. And if he performs well, it could push some pieces around a little bit. Maybe it's one of those things where, you know, he's not, not Yasiel Puig. I'm trying to think of who is a lightning in a bottle, but like, you know, sustained success came up middle of the year uh, and was an outfielder in recent years. It's just, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I, I can't really think of any other player besides Puig who maybe Will Myers, this maybe Will Myers was it. Like as Will Myers a, did as really an outfielder well. and then yeah. wasn't able to capture for the rest of uh, or the remainder of their time in the big leagues. Yeah, Recently. I think, but more so, like I think Nolan Jones will have a future because he'll eventually move to the infield. I'm, I'm just, I just want to see what he can do. I want to see him. I feel like if they keep him in the minors much longer, I don't know what else he's got to prove. Other than that, like Daniel Johnson, they just don't give him enough of an opportunity. And then uh, I forget who the other outfielder was I was thinking of the other day, but I'm hoping that Owen Miller can, you know, regain his confidence and that hopefully that can translate to whenever he comes up next, that maybe he's the Ben Zobris of this team. Yeah, we're just at a point where we're getting used to seeing minor league, double A and triple A guys just coming up to the big leagues by not choice, but by force because so yeah. many guys are not available to play at this point. And the fact that they were able to keep it going for this long uh, shows how good of a manager Terry Francona is. I wonder yeah. what the team is going to do at the trade deadline. And I think this month is going to be the determining factor of where the Indians franchise goes moving forward. Mm. If they sell I the deadline, the that they need it's time to, get, to go back yeah. to oblivion starting then and to the end of next season. If they, they try to, to go for one for last pitcher. playoff push yeah. and things don't quite work out in the end, we could be looking at Oblivion with nothing picked up. Yeah, the name of a pitcher they need to pick up who could be a really good solid ad and not too expensive, Kyle Gibson. He's with the Rangers. And look, he's not going to pile up wins with them right now. Let's not get into that counting stat. Let's focus more on quality starts and also just how he's done just well in general. Look, he's not going to be a Cy Young contender. Nowhere close, but he'd be a really good pitcher to add to this staff. And if you could somehow pry, I don't know, it would probably take a lot of dough in terms of prospects, but maybe a Merrill Kelly from the Diamondbacks. I don't know if you could have fourth or fifth starters, but you know, you're going to have other guys develop and eventually come in over time. Uh, the other Logan Allen, the younger one that was drafted last year, just got up to double A. He just dominated high A Lake County, which is a little bit of a change from years past because the high A team used to be down in Lynchburg. Uh, but uh, who knows? Maybe he surprises at Akron and keeps advancing up the ladder and maybe he becomes a reliever at the end of the season and uh, for Cleveland and then maybe competes for a rotation spot next year. I could see him advancing very quickly. Going back to Gibson, 1.98 ERA, which currently leads the American League, and it, he looks like it is, he's potentially on the trading block for the for the Rangers. Um, 
I could see them going for an arm. Uh, they do desperately need one. Would need one right now. But I think once you get some of the injury injured players back, you'll fill that void. What I'm wondering is what's going to become of the batting order because we have so many, not so many guys, so much that are injured. It's just that we started off with a very depleted uh, lineup to begin the season with, and now besides Jose Ramirez, and then you got some some streaking players here and there. It mm-hmm. seems like we're almost at a loss every time we bring out the, the batters to uh, each game. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the lineup has been decent, not, you know, great, but decent, better compared to what our expectations were. Hell Ramirez has been a decent find. Uh, Bobby Bradley's played well. Hernandez yeah. has played a little bit better. Ahmed Rosario has played all right. Maybe he ends up chipping to the outfield if they think that Bradley Zimmer has nothing more to offer, and then they bring up Andres Jimenez. He's mashed the ball at Columbus, and he could honestly come back up and I think start dominating after finally getting some AAA seasoning. And maybe that helps lengthen your lineup a little bit. Ahmed Rosario's defense in center field is not that bad, but Zimmer's defense is what really helps right now because this club... Their defense is just not there. That's the biggest thing about missing Francisco Lindor right now is his defense. Look, Ahmed Rosario, okay shortstop defensively. I'm not saying he's anywhere near great. Probably giving him a little bit too high of a mark. But in terms of just defense, Lindor was just way better than anyone I've seen in any of these uniform. Like you could say Omar Vizquel, but I don't really remember Vizquel that much uh you know growing up at all but Lindor you just see that difference and just even being up in the press box earlier in the season and hopefully soon within the next couple weeks getting back in there potentially uh you could see just the difference in terms of defense whether it been Rosario or Jimenez at short when he was up here they need to improve that defense because when uh when I was at that Thursday game to get quickly into that uh Mejia got rattled the defense could have played some of those b- baseballs better that ran to the outfield right but he was rattled after that double and he just didn't get that confidence back he need if he had gone through that inning i think you win that game without question i don't think even if you turn it over the bullpen they give up however they don't give up a ton of runs no i mean if you could get just five innings from these guys at this point and i know that you would prefer six from all these young guys more than likely, but five would be a lot and would be hopefully enough to get your bullpen, not fully taxed, but also give a little bit of length to the game and not having to immediately just pull everyone out and burn Brian Shaw to a crisp, burn Karen track, burn Stefan. I mean, this bullpen will get a decent reinforcement whenever Cam Hill finally returns, but it's still going to be maybe a couple weeks before we get him back to add a bullpen. That team just needs some health right now. Like, I don't know, someone needs to sacrifice to Jobu. (laughs) Uh, But I digress. Bring him cigar, rum. He will come. (laughs) Oh, man. Did I tell you I watched? Uh, uh, I didn't actually. No, I told my other buddy. I watched for the other for for the first time in a long time, the third major league movie the other night. 
I did not even know there was a third one. I know there's a second one. I didn't even know there was a third major league. Yeah, it's uh, it's not the Indians, and it's not the it's not most of the principal characters. It's uh, the minor league affiliate of the Minnesota Twins. I can't remember what city they play in, but they're called the Buzz, and it follows this guy who used to be like a, a major league talent, and then he f- fell off. He becomes a manager. And uh, he has to take over this team who has like all these, you know, different characters. And one of them is uh, uh, the catcher from Major League Two who can't throw. He can throw everywhere but back to the pitcher's mound. Uh, Pedro Serrano's in there. And then uh, Harry Doyle, Bob Euchre, is actually in there as well. And for as not great as that movie is, there is one amazing line that he has because he has this little rivalry with the Twins broadcaster as they're doing the game together. And uh, he he purposefully spills some drink on the guy, and he like messes up his suit, and he, he's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry." Uh, here you go. Here, let me make it up to you. Here's twenty bucks. Why don't you go buy yourself a new suit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, that's a trip. Even in the worst movie, that man can make people in the worst movie and the worst kind of baseball games, which I'm sure he's called plenty of them. Bob Euchre can make things work. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to the game uh, that you mentioned before, which is the Thursday night one uh, mm-hmm. where JC Mejia got shellacked out of the start when he gave up five runs in the one inning, uh, four of them on a grand slam from Jose Altuve, which was painful. He, I saw the game on TV to start off. Mm-hmm. The opening at bats for Houston did not look pleasant, to say the least. Am I right on that? Yeah, you'd be right. Or two of them, I should say, because uh, the third one was a little more, like, uh, friendly, to say the least. Yeah, I'll give you that. Because Michael Brantley had to come up after Jose Altuve, and then second batter for Houston, where they just got showered with booze, probably some probably some expletives, we don't know. The TV oh, probably didn't show yes. some of the middle fingers that uh, were up in progressive field. But uh, Brantley got a bit of a more a warmer reception, just based on what he was able to do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, the booze weren't as heavy as I thought they would be, mainly because the stadium wasn't that filled. No, no. It, it was not. I thought there'd be more people there just even for just the Astros. Yeah, even for I mean, uh, even with the, the restrictions no longer here and it's summer now, the Indians are really struggling to get people over to the ballpark still uh, in yeah. a way, but that's a lot of ballparks uh, yeah. in Major League Baseball. If the um, rotation was healthy, I was going to say there would be too, more people there? I, 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 obviously, what happened last year wiped out any chance of Houston going on a 162 game uh, walk of shame throughout the rest of Major League Baseball, just getting mm-hmm. heckled by every single fan in sight. Yeah, but do you think if Bieber, Savali, and Plesak were all healthy. Do you think more fans would be there? It would help. General? It would help to see them uh, go out and start every uh, five days. Because if, if they were healthy and they weren't drawing a crowd at all, I'd be pinning the blame on blame on Indians fans for anything related to payroll and people saying they don't spend. Well, you're not going to the games. And I don't want you to complain because after going to PNC Park, beautiful ballpark. Yep. But five bucks for water and all the other costs for the food there, yikes! Yeah, You're not complain I complain uh, to me I've about covering some of the games from the station. And my first game, I didn't realize that you were able to bring your own food into the press box, 
yeah, mean, which I think is a policy this for this season and this season only. Yeah. Um, but I went up into the concession stand and, and got like a hot dog. I got uh, some uh, peanuts. Yeah, you got and, me a drink uh, as well. Cracker Jack. Actually, no, I didn't get Cracker Jack, but I got peanuts. I just wanted to make that analogy. And then uh, I got a souvenir soda because I wanted to take the cup home. And all of that was like $21. Yeah. And here's the thing. Cavs games are more expensive. Yeah. Cavs games. They're more expensive there. That's surprising. I mean, I guess, that, you know, when you're in an indoor arena. And that was and even before COVID. I don't know if there is a, a business science behind that, whether it's a ballpark or an arena. Actually, no, a ballpark would seem more expensive because yeah. there's more. They they try to make it more accessible to families at ballparks. Right. I feel compared to like basketball arenas and the NBA arenas, right. and you would think with all the crazy stuff they have there, like like uh, uh, fancy grilled cheese and crazy hot mm-hmm. dogs and like gourmet ice cream, you'd think that'd be more expensive. But are the calves really that more expensive? Yeah, they're more expensive. Like I was noting their food prices back before COVID, and even uh, when I got to go to the Mac tournament for BSR, like. They were still far more expensive than anything at the Indians uh, games. Like at Rocket Mortgage, it's far more expensive pre-COVID and during COVID. I am surprised about that because I haven't been to a Cavaliers game in in very long. I used to yeah. really go to um, uh, do you remember like the the news that came out from a few weeks ago? The Canton Charger now the uh, uh, what is it? Charge Cleveland or something like that? They got the oh, new I name. Didn't, I don't remember that, but uh, no. yeah, that was that was. That was unfortunate because they were only 25 minutes from my house. They play oh. at the uh, the Civic Center, the Canton Civic Center, and it was cool to just see some guys trying to make it. Good prices for like uh, like a lemon slushy, which they have there, which are, are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a little bit of a disappointment to see them move up here, but I'm sure the people of Cleveland are going to enjoy yeah. it. But yeah, speaking of the Cavs, though, what are they going to do with that third pick? Because I don't know, and that's a good segue. We're assuming that Cade Cunningham because obviously you have number three overall. You got Cade Cunningham, obviously going number one to Detroit. Try to make barring some sort of crazy Uh, injury or trade. Number two, try to Houston. Hold on, hold on. I don't know if they want to get a tall man like Evan Mobley to go along with someone like a young Kevin Porter Jr. or whoever they have over there at the Rockets now, or if they want to go with a smaller overall talent like Jalen Green, one of the Jalens, Green or Suggs. I don't know what's going to happen, and we were talking to uh, Spencer Davies earlier today, and he talked about how Houston's number two pick is obviously going to affect what the Cavs are going to have to do. Yeah, I mean, do you think the Cavs could pull what the, what was it, Philadelphia did to get Markel Fultz? Uh, Maybe trade a future first along with the number three to move up to number one and get Cade Cunningham. I, I don't think it's worth it. I don't, I think that Cade Cunningham would work well in the Cavaliers system, but I don't think we would have enough resources to be able to send Detroit yeah. for them to risk, uh, uh, forgoing a potential franchise changing player. Mm-hmm. Cause I think if Evan Mobley falls to you, that helps solve a lot of problems. Uh, in terms of who do you draft. If he doesn't, then, you know, I don't think you should trade down. My gut feeling is that, although I'd like to see them draft Jalen Suggs, I think he's a really good player. I've not seen any indication that anyone is going to take Suggs over uh, Green, and that Green would probably be the pick, and he's the one I've seen the least of. Uh, But just reading up on his bio stuff, seems like you know super explosive guy and that's where it comes into 
where do you trade Colin Sexton? Because I think Darius Garland's going to stay put, but as much as I would hate trading Sexton, you got to find a way to mesh everything together and make the defense actually work. So you are you Sexton's, on team trade Sexton? I I don't want to be, but I don't think he's worth a maximum salary. If he asks for less than that, I'd be willing to give him something like that. But if he's a, if he's asking for the max, I in good conscience cannot do that. If I'm the Cavs. You need some future cap flexibility. Because if you're going to continue sucking and you have him on the rus- roster and even when Kevin Love's contract expires or gets flipped or bought out, I mean, you're going to have Jared Allen on a long-term deal and then you have to pay Darius Garland. It's like, probably Sexton is the one you got to trade. And look, I love him. I think he'll be an all-star someday. Maybe not the number one player on a team, but I have loved Sexton to death, but I cannot justify giving him max money. If he were to ask for like five and 120 or four and 120 or something like that, maybe, maybe if he took definitely less than the max, I could maybe see them sign to an extension, but I cannot do that with that salary cap. If it was the NFL salary cap where uh, it's, you know, at 180 million right now, given that it has a drop off from a year or two ago. Sure. But can't right now. You can't have, Sexton earning that much and then have to re-up Darius Garland. I could see that. I could see, um, actually, no, I, I don't know if I could see this, but I wanted to ask you, because I could easily see Colin Sexton being like a good number two on somebody like Philadelphia if mm-hmm. they wanted to move on from Ben Simmons. I don't I don't think they the Cavs would want to make a trade for a guy like Simmons uh, because his market value was so low after the playoffs that we just saw. Mm-hmm. I mean, would would you consider it? Would if it was the right move, would you try to do it? And would you include Kevin Love in a deal like that? I probably would include Kevin Love in a deal like that, just because it, you probably need to offset some salary. One, two, if you can keep the number three pick from being traded, definitely. Uh, that's that's the thing is that you have to keep the number three pick. You cannot flip that pick. But I'm a. I've seen some people throw out the framework that you know. Sexton and Love and maybe Larry Nance Jr. for Simmons and one other big potentially or like forward that can make a deal work and then maybe one side throws in a pick or two I mean that's the toughest thing and I feel like Simmons is going to rebound nicely uh, but uh, I don't know it's just very tough right now They all they need is just a really good player to help really spark this thing to life and to relieve some of their uh, congested salary cap. We'll see. We shall see. And um, obviously the NBA season is not yet ended because we still have some postseason to go. We have postseason tonight uh, at the time of this recording. It's game six between Milwaukee and Atlanta. Um, this is, this has been a very fascinating series and it got even weirder during game four when Milwaukee's best player in Giannis Antetokounmpo went down a game after Trey Young suffered a bruise foot in a crazy moment with a referee. And and we'll get probably to uh, NBA injuries in this postseason later, but it, for this series going into tonight, 
Milwaukee was able to get a convincing win in Game 5 because a lot of their players stepped up. Brooke Lopez had a great offensive night. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton proved he was worth the money, at least for that night. Mm -hmm. I wonder if Atlanta has enough gas left in the tank to force a Game 7. What do you think? I don't know. That's the question. Like Atlanta's been playing with house money all year, especially after firing their initial head coach, then having a... Who is it right now? Nate McMillan? Nate McMillan, who took over for Lloyd Pierce, who uh, just became uh, Rick Carlisle's top assistant in Indiana. I mean, Atlanta, either if they win tonight, then they probably win the series is my guess. But if they don't, you know, get anything going tonight early, I think it probably goes Milwaukee's way. And then I'd say if Giannis can't return, which is probably doubtful during the finals. I'm going to have to say Suns and five. <laughs> oh, that's funny because obviously uh, Phoenix was able to get past L.A. And did you see this? I just saw this on ESPN.com. Patrick Beverly gets a one-game suspension for a uh, 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 child shoving Chris Paul on the back. Like you know, like when you were a kid and somebody like kid would make fun of you on the playground, you would go right behind him and push him from the back. Oh geez, <laughs> so, uh, that's uh, part no. of that Clipper curse, man. I, I really think that God does not want the Clippers in the finals. Uh, I do not know, man. With that franchise, I do not know. Well, Phoenix uh, just made it their first finals since um, what was it, nineteen ninety three? And it, and this is what I like about the last four teams that were in the conference finals: Milwaukee, L.A., Clippers. Uh, Phoenix and Atlanta, where you have two teams who haven't won in a long time. One of them won in another city compared to their current one. And then the other two uh, had never won a championship. And part of me really does want Milwaukee to win this game and then get to the finals because you get to see a better matchup. But I do partially want Atlanta to win as well because they've never won in Atlanta. Phoenix has never won a championship. What would be your preferred matchup with the teams that are currently still in the mix. I've wanted to see Milwaukee and Phoenix right now. That's been my matchup for the last little while. I want to see, I wanted to see the larger markets knocked out. I wanted to see a smaller market NBA finals. I know it's not great for the ratings, but I think it would nope. get more of the casual fan interested in watching it because you're not having Brooklyn you're not having Golden State. You're not having L.A. You're not having Atlanta, who I do consider to be a bigger market than people give them credit for. Phoenix is, yeah, Phoenix is, is a bigger market than people uh, uh, talk about, but they do feel like a small market team in the same yeah. time. But I feel like Phoenix and Milwaukee would give the biggest bang for buck, and that would have been more true if Giannis had been able to play. He still could, but yeah. I don't think he will. But I, that that's the series I'd rather see. But if Trey Young ends up coming back... Uh, I doubt he plays tonight. Is he going to play? He's not ruled out as of now, and neither is Giannis. I would expect Young to have a better chance to play than Giannis, but uh, I don't know. I mean, if it's a game six, everything's on the line. Maybe maybe Young will be able to be like, oh, okay, I can do this. Because last game, before last game, he just was like, uh, no, I can't do this. Uh, I don't have the, the capacity to go out there. Yeah, so... That's just tough. Just been a very injury-prone season and postseason, but whoever comes out on top, I mean, it's going to be a 
good championship for one of these cities. Well, do you, that's another thing, too, is that a lot of people have been saying this is an asterisk championship because of the way the season was structured. Obviously, I think it's more of a, a legit title than what happened Golden last State. year when all the teams had to take four months off and then we went back to Orlando. Mm, but I think that's more legitimate because of everything everyone had to overcome and all the mental strain of having to be in the bubble. That I think that is... You can put an asterisk next to that if you want, but the the one I really put an asterisk next to is 2015 Golden State. Why is that? They had, if if it wasn't that year, Blake Griffin went down against them. They had other players go down in the Western Conference side of the playoffs against them. They did not have to have Kevin Love. Kyrie Irving went down after game one. They literally had, the Cavs literally had to have an, unhealthy player active on the roster because they had almost no one else left on their bench. Golden State, if they had had a play with against Kyrie and Kevin Love, that series, I think, goes to Cleveland. I don't disagree, and it, I mean, yeah. And I even if they just played against Number Kyrie one. and was that the year? Was that the year the Spurs were in the conference finals and then Kawhi Hurt his foot falling on a My, on somebody that else. Been, that might have been. And then yeah. he that was his last game with the Spurs. And maybe it was the next year, but I know that. Uh, yeah, like Golden State has had a ton of injuries pop up against whoever they've played in a lot of the finals, like Rockets, Chris Paul, uh, Clippers, Blake Griffin. Uh, I mean, they've whoever they've played in the postseason more often than not, and all those four years that they went to the finals against the Cavs, they had injuries galore. Right. And then when the shoe's on the other foot, you know, they can't do anything. 2018. That's I, I had that wrong. 2018 was when the Spurs met the Warriors in that playoff series. And then Kawhi went down. But then the second yeah. thing was, couldn't you say the same thing for the Cavaliers championship had Draymond Green not gotten suspended before Game Five, and they would have been at full capacity for the Cavs that. to he handle that. He was a dirty in player Golden State that year. He deserved that suspension. 100%. I know he deserved the suspension, but well, yeah, you could. I, I think he deserved it. A lot of other people say he maybe didn't deserve a full game suspension or that. But I'm I'm wondering. Um, you could say the same thing that the Cavs didn't earn it either, even though most people would probably say, "Oh, the Cavs came back from three one." Yeah, they came back from 3-1. I think they would have won game five anyway. And also, just to keep this in mind, they had two more games to close it out, and they didn't. They choked. They absolutely choked away game six. And then game seven, they could not finish. They could not shoot a shot in the final couple minutes. That is what made the difference. So Golden State, all on them. No asterisk for that 2016 team for the Cavs. None. Sorry, what was that last part? No asterisk for that 2016 Cavs team. None at all. Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't think they should have an asterisk to it. I'm just saying overall, the the bubble season has somewhat of an asterisk, not to the point where you should you should completely de- delegitimize the Lakers championship, but it's kind of like, eh. and then this year it's still different because you have a 72 game season rather than 82. You're playing so many back to backs. So many people are getting hurt now to the point where we might not have three of the best players out of the remaining teams in the finals. Then should you put an asterisk next to the uh, lockout year with 66 games? That's a good point. That's another one, too, where uh, the season got started late. But Yeah, yeah, I mean, but again, no, that's another one, too. Do people really talk about the, the that season, which I believe that was Miami's first 
title Miami run and Oklahoma with City, LeBron yep. and the big three. Mm-hmm. Do people really give that much of an asterisk? I don't think they do, and that's where it's recency bias. I then mean, I guess have- maybe you know what it is. Maybe it's just because I don't know that year. That's a good point. Twenty twelve yeah. or twenty eleven rather, and twenty twenty one. Wow, ten years apart. Jesus, it's really been ten years since that. Twenty twelve is when they won the, um, the finals. That was the I think year the finals took place. They, the 11, they do seem, seem a little similar, but uh, yeah. maybe we're just in a cultural mindset right now where we're just not willing to. You, you always see that on Twitter a lot, where teams will mm-hmm. will win, and it's like you know not a real championship, a Mickey Mouse right. ring, and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the Heat won the twenty twelve finals. The year before was the twenty eleven finals against the Mavericks. That was Dallas, but but it was twenty. Oh, no, it was 2012. Yeah, you're right, 2012 yeah. going into 2013. No, 2011, 2012, and then the next, their defense year, you know, the back-to-back was 12-13, and then 13-14 was LeBron's last year Right, but what, which year was the lockout that Miami won? Miami won during the lockout year of 11-12. Okay, so yeah, 2010-11 to 11 was Dallas. 2011-12, that was the lockout year. First year with Miami. And I remember that year because no, yeah. the Charlotte yes. Bobcats to date have the least amount of wins for an NBA team. I think it's seven seven and fifty-nine. That I think yeah, maybe. Yeah, that was a that that that's a blot. That's a forgotten blot on the NBA um on the quilt that is NBA history because everybody just assumes they've always been the Charlotte Hornets, except for that brief ten year period. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's still weird to sometimes see them as the Hornets, so it has gotten more natural over time. No, 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 it's not It's not unnatural because it's the way they were before they moved to yeah. uh, New Orleans. Yeah, I just remember more of them being the Bobcats than I ever remember them being the Hornets because, you know, Chris Paul with the Hornets in New Orleans. Yeah, that's a good point. Which the Pelicans, I mean, you know, things happen, but I think it's a good place to leave off for now. Think so? I think so. All right, well, about 80 minutes in, and we're going to cut it off right here, but uh, we'll make sure to get back to it next week, and uh, we'll come up with everything else that uh, we'll be doing for the remainder of our time here on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you can find us on both of our Twitter feeds, um, Fits on Sports BSR, right? Yep. And then I'm at Mitch Spinell, and uh, we'll make sure to put this on uh, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. And then, of course, my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Mitch Spinell. Anything else you want to plug before we go, Sean? Uh, Not much else other than, uh, you know, keep an eye out for anything I'm posting with uh, Mark One Sports and CLE Tribecast uh, as a press box correspondent. So keep your uh, eyes out on that on my Twitter feed. And also just make sure you tune back in. We are going to get a regular thing or semi-regular thing going here. Yep. We are committing to this. We are committing to this, and we're going to find a way to get it done no matter what. I don't know if I'll be in as good a, uh, a place with as good an audio quality next week, but I will make it work. And uh, you, you know what? Before we go, I just got a thing here. Giannis has been ruled out for game six, so there you go. Yep, there we go. So We'll keep wondering yeah. whether Trey Young is out. Uh, by, the, if, by the time this is uh, – out to the public by then, we'll probably know we'll be going to a Game 7 or Milwaukee will be facing Phoenix in the finals. Uh, you can also, another plug for myself, you can find me uh, usually a few nights a week on 92.3 The Fan. Sometimes it's afternoons. I'll be on the air sometimes doing the 2020 sports updates. And you can find me uh, and my work also at Tusco.tv. That's at Tusco TV in New Philadelphia, Ohio. And uh, that's it. That's all we got for this week. We'll see you guys uh, next time. All right. Peace out.